Well, it's great to be with you this morning. I want to give a special shout out to the group from the Woodenville Church of Christ in the great state of Washington. Welcome. Glad you guys are here. Uh, that's this group that's right up here, about 25 people. They arrived relatively late last night. Um, they're going to be staying in our building all week long, working out at the children's home. Uh, so make them feel welcome. Let them know how much you appreciate the fact that they're here and that they're doing this good work um, and that they're sleeping on our couches and floors and all of those kind of things. Uh, we had another group that was in here on, what night, Friday night, um, and they had been out on the reservation without running water and all those kind of things, and so sleeping in our gym seemed like being at the Hilton or something for them. They really appreciated that, but it's great to have people traveling through, um, spending time with us during this busy summertime. I've got some great news for everybody. You're about to have a two-week break from me preaching, so it's okay. Go ahead, applaud, you know, whatever. I feel so loved. <laughs> Kathy and I will be getting on an airplane Wednesday morning, first flying to Los Angeles and then to London. Uh, we'll spend a couple of weeks there. We'll be going to the World Track and Field Championships, not as participants, um, as spectators. Uh, but we're really looking forward to that next week. Kyle Wittenberg will be up here. Um, he'll be preaching to you and bringing you information about our youth group's trip to Houston um, earlier in the summer when at the Impact Church of Christ. So be looking forward to that. And then the week after that, one of the elders will be preaching. They have promised to care, uh, cover every controversial topic that there is in that week, so you won't want to miss that at all. They'll be here to take care of that in two weeks. And then the week after that is family camp, and then... Uh, it'll be kind of back to normal. We'll be out of summer, but lots of good things happening over the next several weeks. Um, also, I want to give you a Project 9K update. Project 9K is our Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park. We challenge ourselves to be faithful readers and studiers of the Bible because we want to be people of the Word, because we believe that the Bible, the Word of God, transforms our lives. It is powerful. So to date, we as a congregation have read 3,009 books of the Bible. So keep reading, keep reporting those results, and let's make sure that we truly are people of the Word. Also, I want to let everybody here know that we are not only a Bible-reading congregation, we are a praying congregation. We believe in the transforming power of prayer, and we would love to pray for you. You'll find some green cards in front of you. On one side, it says prayer requests. If you have a prayer request that you'd like to bring to the attention of this congregation or just its eldership, something that's going on in your life or in the life of someone you care about, we want to know about that so that we can pray for you or pray for them. Every Monday, I send out those prayer requests. Right now, we have 395 email addresses they go out to, so there are hundreds of people who are waiting to pray for you. So if you do have a prayer request, if you'd fill out your request on this card... And then drop it in one of our collection boxes, and you can be certain that we will honor your request. We will pray for you. You can find two collection boxes at the back of the auditorium. You can find another one through these double doors. Something else I want to let you know about us as a church, we are a baptizing church. We also believe in the power of baptism. We believe that it's in baptism that we join with Jesus Christ in his death his burial, and his resurrection. We believe that it's in baptism that we leave behind our old selves. We're clothed with Christ. We emerge as new creations to live and follow our Jesus Christ 
in his work and in his life. And we'll be talking about that more today. So if you believe Jesus is the Christ and you haven't been baptized, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to answer whatever questions that you have. We'd love to have that conversation. In order to have that conversation, you can use the same card. If you'll turn it over to the back, you'll see a space that says Next Steps. If you'll fill out your contact information and check the box that says, I would like to talk to an elder or minister about baptism, we will contact you right away and we'll have that conversation. We'll answer those questions. And then the final thing I want to let you know about this church is we believe in the power of the church. We believe in the power of the church universal and the power of the church local. We believe that everybody who is a Christian, a follower of Christ, should be a member of a local church. So if you have been attending here at Netherwood Park for a while and you haven't yet let us know that you want to be a member of this church, we would love to hear about that as well. So on that same card, if you would just fill out your contact information, check the box that says, I'd like to talk to an elder or minister about being a member of this church, drop that in the collection box. We'll contact you right away and we'll talk to you about being a member of the Netherwood Park Church of Christ. We would love to welcome you as part of our family. Well, we are in the last Sunday of our latest sermon series. It's called Jesus Asks. During this series, we've been taking questions that Jesus asked back then, and we've been bringing them forward and asking those questions of ourselves right now. We've been working hard to make those questions personal and relevant. And sometimes maybe they've been uncomfortably personal and uncomfortably relevant to us today. And today we're going to end with a question that is a very direct question. It's a very penetrating question. It's a very personal and relevant question. We're going to see Jesus listen to Peter make a very bold declaration, a declaration of his loyalty and his faith and his love. And then we're going to see Jesus kind of lift an eyebrow and look Peter in the eye and in a skeptical voice Say to Peter, will you really lay down your life for me? But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we come before you thanking you for hearing our prayers. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the one who laid down his life for us. And Father, we want to be just like our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. So Father, help us to lay down our lives for you, lay down our lives for him, and lay down our lives for each other. And Father, we ask this in his name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, last week we went to a dinner and we watched as Jesus showed his disciples the full extent of his love. We saw him get up from dinner. We saw him pour some water in a basin. We saw him take up a towel. We saw him take off his outer garments. And we saw him wash his disciples' feet. And then as he returned to his spot at the table, we heard him ask, Do you understand what I have done for you? And then we heard Jesus explain why he had taken that spot, why he had taken the servant's spot, why he, Messiah, the Son of God, why he went to his knees to serve his followers, to serve his students, to serve his disciples. And so Jesus said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He said, I have set you an example. Now that I have washed, you should wash. Now that I have done for you, you should do for others. Now that I have served you, you should serve others. You should do what I have done. You will be blessed if you will follow my example. In some ways, that sounds like Jesus is making some like useful suggestions, doesn't it? That sounds like the kind of language we use a lot when we want to encourage people to do something, but we don't want to appear like we're pushy, like we're ordering them around in any way. So we say things like, you know, you really should read your Bible more. Or, you know, you'll really be blessed if you'll join a small group. See, we don't like telling people what to do. So we suggest that they do something. Or we talk about and we sell the benefits of them doing what we want them to do. So is Jesus here suggesting that his followers should serve others? Is Jesus trying to sell them on the benefits of serving others? You'll be blessed if you'll serve others. Well, I think we all know the answer is, of course not. That's not what Jesus is doing. In fact, just minutes later, we read in John chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, a new command I give you. He says, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. You must. And by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. You must love one another. You must serve each other. You must do as I have done. Jesus isn't making a suggestion. Jesus isn't giving them a sales job. This is an imperative. It's a command. Christians must serve as Jesus Christ served. Servants of Jesus must serve like he served. Followers of Christ must love like he loved. I mean, if we don't serve and love like our master Jesus Christ served and loved, then we're not really following him, are we? Followers follow. And that's exactly what the disciples have been doing. They have been following Jesus. And that's exactly what they intend to keep on doing, following Jesus. But now we're here in the last days of Jesus' life. And Jesus is trying to teach his disciples what it means, what it's going to look like to follow him once he's gone. He's trying to show them what it looks like to follow their Lord and Master when their Lord and Master is no longer going to be physically present to follow. And not surprisingly, like we saw last week, the disciples don't fully understand what Jesus is doing. They don't fully understand what he's talking about. 
They don't fully understand what he's already done for them. They certainly don't fully understand what he's about to do for them. And they definitely don't understand where he is about to go. And because they don't understand they're like us, they have questions. And again, not surprisingly, it's Peter who steps up and asks the question that's on everyone's mind. John chapter 13 and verse 36. Peter asks Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter's always ready, isn't he? Peter's always ready. He's ready to follow. He's ready to follow Jesus because he believed in Jesus. And he's ready to follow Jesus because he's committed to Jesus. And he's ready to follow Jesus because he loves Jesus. Peter has a deep and passionate and protective love for Jesus. In fact, I think we can safely say that Peter had a heroic love for Jesus. We're all familiar with heroic love, right? It's constantly in movies and books and stories. Heroic love is the kind of love that does heroic things for its loved ones. Heroic love is the soldier who jumps on the grenade to save his buddies who are in the foxhole with him. Heroic love is Katniss Everdeen taking her sister's place in the Hunger Games. And heroic love is Peter saying, I will lay down my life for you. And meaning it. Heroic love says, I will die with you. And means it. See, Peter loved Jesus heroically. And Peter wasn't alone. The other disciples loved Jesus in the same way. In Matthew's account of this same scene, after Peter said, Jesus, I will die with you. Matthew tells us that all the other disciples said the same thing. They all said, Jesus, we'll lay down our lives for you. Jesus, we will die with you. And they meant it. You may also remember an earlier episode with Jesus and his disciples. You can find it in John chapter 11. It's when Jesus and his disciples had left Jerusalem because the religious leaders were trying to arrest Jesus and were trying to kill Jesus. And then after they left Jerusalem, they went out into the countryside. Jesus heard that his friend Lazarus was seriously ill. He was about to die. And Jesus decided that he should go back into the danger zone to take care of Lazarus. And not surprisingly, his disciples didn't think that was a very good idea at all. They tried to talk Jesus out of it, but they went anyway. And this time it's not Peter, but it was Thomas who gave voice for all of the disciples when he said this in verse 16. He said, let us also go back so that we may die with him. And we know they meant what they say because they went. And we know that Peter meant what he said. Because when they came to arrest Jesus, who was it that pulled his sword and struck the high priest's servant? It was Peter. He was ready to die for Jesus. He was ready to die with Jesus. The disciples loved Jesus heroically. 
So why, after Peter has boldly and honestly declared that he will lay down his life for Jesus, why does Jesus lift an eyebrow and in a skeptical voice ask Peter, will you really lay down your life for me? Why does Jesus doubt Peter? Well, Jesus doubts Peter because Jesus understands better than anyone what it means to truly lay down your life. This section of scripture, this entire episode, the foot washing and the questions and the explanations that come from Jesus, it's all focused on following Jesus. It's all focused on imitating Jesus. And Jesus is about to be arrested and he's about to begin the painful journey to the cross. The place where he will die, where he will demonstrate his heroic love for Peter and the disciples. And for you and for me and for all of mankind. Jesus is about to lay down his life for others. He's going to choose to die so his disciples can live. But laying down his life isn't just a future event for Jesus. You see, Jesus has already laid down his life. And he is laying down his life. And he's going to the cross to continue to lay down his life. In Philippians chapter 2, it's that great chapter written by the Apostle Paul that encourages us to imitate Jesus' humility. Paul wrote this, Philippians 2, 5. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. When did Jesus lay down his life? Well, Jesus laid down his life long before he washed feet. He laid down his life long before he went to the cross. In fact, Jesus laid down his life long before he was even born in that manger. John says this at the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning was the word, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was with God, and Jesus Christ was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And what is Paul telling us? Paul is telling us that Jesus, who is God, did not choose to hang on to the prerogatives of being God. He didn't choose to hang on to the prerogatives of being God. Instead, he chose to lay down his life that he had with God. And he did that to become human. And not just any human, but a human servant. And a servant of humans. Jesus laid down his life to come to this earth. And he came to this earth to lay down his life. Jesus knows better than anyone about laying down your life. 
Jesus, who was with God and was God from the very beginning, chose to make himself nothing. And he humbly and obediently submitted to God. Submitted to laying down his life, the life he had with God. And then he submitted to laying down his life on the cross for sinful mankind. See, Jesus first died to himself and then he died. And if Jesus hadn't died to himself, if he hadn't given up his equality with God, if he hadn't chosen to become human, if he hadn't chosen to become a servant, if he hadn't left everything behind to become a human servant, he wouldn't have died on the cross. He had to do the one. He had to die to himself in order to do the other, to die on the cross. And that's why I think that Jesus lifted an eyebrow and in a skeptical voice asked Peter, will you really lay down your life for me? You see, laying down one's life for Jesus is much more than just a declaration that you're willing to die for him or even die with him. It's much more than that declaration, even if you mean it. So when Jesus asked, will you really lay down your life for me? He's asking Peter and he's asking us, are you prepared to die physically for me? But he's asking much More than that. He's also asking Peter and he's asking us, are you prepared to die to yourself for me? Are you prepared to continually choose to serve others instead of looking to see how others can serve you? Will you lay down your life of being served? Will you do that? For me? And Jesus is asking, are you prepared to humble yourself all the way to full obedience for me? Jesus is asking Peter and he's asking us, will you step aside and will you place me on the throne? Will you lay down your life of being in control and having your own way? Will you do that for me? See, when Jesus asks, will you really lay down your life for me? He's asking, will you deny yourself and take up your cross and take up your towel and follow me? Will you do that for me? Will you really do that for me? See, laying down our lives for Jesus isn't always about heroic love. In fact, let's be honest. Unlike some parts of the world, for us, laying down our lives for Jesus is rarely ever about heroic love. Very few, if any of us, will ever be called to physically die for Jesus or to physically die for others because of Jesus. We probably won't be called on to demonstrate our heroic love for Jesus but that doesn't mean that we aren't called to love greatly. 
In fact, all of us, every single one of us who calls themselves a Christian, who says that they are a Christ follower, has been called and is continually being called to die to ourselves and to live for Jesus and to live for each other. And that may not be heroic love, but that is great love. John described that great love this way in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. You see, we love greatly, and we follow Jesus closely, and we imitate him accurately when we lay our lives down for each other. When we lay aside our lives to serve one another. See, great love is not only willing to give its life, It's not only willing to say, I will die for you and I will die with you, but it's also willing to give up its goods for you. I will give to you. I will do without for you. That doesn't sound very heroic, does it? But trust me, it's laying down our lives every bit as much as saying, I will die for you. Great love will not only die for you, it'll also give up its time for you. I will be there when you need me. That doesn't sound very heroic, does it? But it's laying down our lives every bit as much as I will die for you. And great love will not only die for you, it'll also give up its position for you. I will submit to you, and I will serve you. It doesn't sound very heroic, does it? But it's laying down our lives every bit as much as saying, I will die for you. And great love will not only die for Jesus, great love will be obedient to Jesus. Not my will, but yours It doesn't sound very heroic, but it's laying down our lives for Jesus every bit as much as I will die for you. We show the truth of our great love in our actions, in our service, in our deeds. It doesn't come about through our heroic declarations, I will die for you. It comes about in our daily actions, by daily picking up our crosses, by daily picking up our towels, and by daily following Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. And this is how we know 
what great love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. And may we lay our lives down for him. And may we lay our lives down for each other. Let's pray. Father, we want to be like Jesus. We want to follow him closely. We want to imitate him accurately. Father, we want Jesus to be seen in us. So, Father, our prayer is that you will help us to die to ourselves. And, Father, help us to live in service of you and in service of each other. So that all people will know, Father, that we are servants of you and servants of Jesus Christ. But more importantly, so that people will know that you are God and that Jesus is the Christ. Help us, Father. Give us strength. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today, as we end our sermon series, as we end this sermon... I want every one of us to see Jesus raise an eyebrow, look us in the eye, and ask us in a skeptical voice, will you really lay down your life for me? And let's stand as servants of our Lord and servants of each other, and let's sing together, and then let's leave this place and lay down our lives for our Lord this day and every day. Let's stand and sing. Yeah.